0: I realized that there's a lot more to life than just trying to make money. And that is not what life is about for me. And uh, it's not happiness. Life is supposed to be in pursuit of happiness, not in pursuit of
1: millions. Welcome to Leaders Labyrinth. I am your host, Michael Grant. We take you on a journey with resilient individuals who share how they have achieved the extraordinary. This show is designed to empower you to take the lead in your life's quest through the wisdom of our leaders, inflicting truth, possibility, and fueling your hearts with passion of what sets your souls on fire to becoming your best version of self. Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, mentee of Socrates and mentor to Aristotle once said, we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Today's leader in our labyrinth worked for the Royal Saudi family. He is a self-made entrepreneur, a luxury real estate developer, and owner of the premium cigar manufacturer Styx. It is my distinct honor to introduce to you Johnny Mansoor. We are here in the labyrinth with luxury real estate developer entrepreneur and owner of sticks cigar private club here at his own private cigar lounge in cal or in woodland hills california sticks private club with the man himself johnny mansoor johnny how you doing today my friend
0: i'm doing wonderful
1: thank you fantastic thank you for allowing us to uh, record here in this beautiful cigar lounge and johnny and i are actually burning a couple of stogies at the moment what are we smoking here, Johnny?
0: Well, what we're smoking are actual sticks cigars. Those are cigars that I have um, taken a great deal of time and I have a lot of pride in uh, developing the actual recipe for for the different uh, um, sizes and uh, flavors and strengths. Um, they have uh, their blend of uh, tobacco that comes from mostly Southern, uh, southern and, sou- and Central America, and some of the islands. So what you're smoking right there, it's called a cataboo All the cigars are named after a different kind of bulldogs. My logo is a bulldog with a cigar in his mouth. So we decided to name the cigars after different bulldogs. And the cataboo is a type of a bulldog. Uh, the, it has uh, four different leaves in there that make up the entire cigar. The filler, the binder, and the wrapper. And the filler and the binder are made up of three different uh, types of tobaccos that come from uh, any combination of Dominican Republic, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, um, and uh, uh, Peru, and uh, another place that shall be unnamed. However, the wrapper is uh, from Ecuador.
1: Wow, amazing, amazing. What was the inspiration behind the Bulldog logo? Sticks
0: Private Club. So uh, Sticks Private Club existed before I was a member. I became a member first, and at some point uh, realized that uh, my passion for cigars was outweighing everything else that I was doing in life, and I wanted to start in that direction. And it seemed to be a great stepping stone to go towards my own brand, which I had been working on creating blends for the past uh, four
1: years prior to that. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. So you're just really passionate about the cigar world, the lifestyle, and then you decided to take the leap and invest into the cigar business.
0: That's exactly correct. It just that uh, you know, once you hit your fifties, at least when I hit my fifties, I realized that there's a lot more to life than just trying to make money. And that is not what life is about for me, and uh, it's not happiness. Life is supposed to be in pursuit of happiness, not in pursuit of
1: millions. So you didn't get into this cigar business for the money?
0: I did not. It, money is, definitely needs to be made. I do have a particular lifestyle that I have grown accustomed to, and I'm not gonna lie about it, but this is putting a strain on that lifestyle currently, and that's also the truth but I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So Johnny, there are chapters in your life that sound incredibly unique and interesting. Not only did you build your success as an entrepreneur with luxury real estate development and your cigar business. Now uh, you were also working for the Royal Saudi family for over two decades. You also immigrated to the United States as a refugee. I think the best place for us to start unpacking that journey is you know where are you from and, and born originally
0: I was born in Baghdad Iraq I am Assyrian. we speak the language Aramaic the language of Jesus Christ and we are a Christian minority within that entire region which means the way that we were treated and the way that we were looked at was uh, uh, not very kindly to put it as nicely as I can. Um, having lived through, I didn't personally live through it because I was born there. I left uh, we left Iraq uh, and when I was three years old, so I remember very little about it, and moved to Iran. I'm the youngest of six kids, and we moved to Iran. My father's job moved us there. and we lived there for five years. During that five years, we were accumulating and saving and trying not to spend money. We had uh, uh, two farms uh, in the northern part of Iran. We had some property that was rented out, and we only rented because we were saving. And until my father was one day taken away by the secret service of what would be equivalent to the secret service for three days. When they brought him back, they basically told us that they told him after questioning him for three days without hurting him to be honest that they believed that he was the head of the iraqi terrorist group even though that couldn't possibly be true because we were christians and the terrorist group would have to be muslim Uh, but they still felt that he was that was a front for the iraqi terrorist group and that he was saving all that money to do some major damage Unfortunately, he was not able to tell them the truth because the truth was he had two passports. That's why he was able to work in the two different countries for an English company at the time. However, he, if he had told them that, it was illegal. It was against the law. There was jail time for it. So when he came back, he spoke to an attorney, and the attorney basically told him, you have two choices uh, because we were getting ready to come to the United States anyways. And the two choices were he either tells the truth and they would release his accounts because they had put a hold on everything. They would release our accounts and release the land and so on. And the family could go on living however, whether we wanted to leave or not. But if he... Or the ultimatum was they had given us three days to leave the country and everything would be taken away. So when that discussion came up, we were part of a family discussion. Even though I was young, I do remember it. Um I remember something to the effect of my mother asking my father, what would you do if one hair was harmed on one of your daughter's heads if I'm in, in America without you and something goes wrong? And then you finally come up seven years later. And he basically said, I'd kill you. Because the family meant everything to him. So she said, exactly. So it's not worth it. We dropped everything and... Left and the only place I would take us at the time was uh, Lebanon. So we went to Lebanon where we registered with the Assyrian church there and took us about six months, uh, middle of a war, war had just started. And we came out, went as refugees and then came to the United States with the help of some family in Chicago and Los Angeles. And that's how we ended up in United States in
1: 1973 wow that is an incredible story and there's so much there's so much there um that i I, i'm sure that people from other parts of the world can relate to that maybe have been harassed uh, accused uh, had their families separated unjustly uh, because of the other political governments um discriminated against severely yeah yeah Wow! So my hats off to to your father for weathering that storm and uh, getting the family somewhere else to finally end up in in the states. How did you How did you make the connection to this family in in Chicago?
0: Well, the family in Chicago that's actually my father's sister. My aunt was the younger sister, and his older sister ha- uh, had moved to the United States uh, about seven years prior to that in Lo- to Los Angeles. So when we went to Chicago. Uh, family of eight six kids and two parents wow Uh, within we stayed with my aunt all of us for the first month and within that first month they were able to get four of my siblings as well as my parents working at factories and within about three weeks and the way that we worked traditionally is everybody would have to bring their checks over to my father and there would be one account, and all the money went into one account.
1: You were working at this time? No. My oh, so,
0: I was okay. the youngest, and my mm-hmm. brother, who was the next youngest, we were, we were too young to work. I was eight years old, and I turned nine in Chicago, and my brother was uh, uh, 13.
1: Uh, I, want, I want to take it back just one step to Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, you were there, and, and it was uh, uh, a, a, a war going on you said um how did you guys manage that volatility uh in that type of environment how did you find shelter and you know h- how did you get through that well
0: thank god for the church where they were able to give us a locate us and um, place us in an apartment three-bedroom apartment uh since there were eight of us uh didn't have any tv didn't really have any furniture or anything like that and of course we left iran with absolutely no money they took all our money um, we just had enough help from the church again for food. Uh, one of the most interesting things that comes to my mind is uh, within a couple of months after we moved there, the war broke out with Israel, and there was right behind our apartment building. We were on the sixth floor, and we were in this apartment building where it had a small balcony in the back and a balcony in the front, and behind, uh, that, behind the apartment building, what the, there was an Israeli gentleman who had a farm, And it was a loquat farm. I don't know if you know what loquats are. It's a type of a fruit. No, no. It's a type of a fruit that is kind of popular back Mm. there more than here. And he had to leave. He had to leave just before everything was becoming, the fruit was ripening and was becoming ready to pick. Oh, wow. So our daytime daytime, uh, pastime was to go there, with my, with my siblings and pick fruit. And we'd bring that back. And our nighttime pastime was to sit in the balcony, keep all the lights off, and we could see the bombs going from one point to another and then back and forth. Wow. And we'd hear them from far away. They weren't l- loud enough to be annoying, but you could actually hear them and see the fire going back and forth in the darkness. And that
1: was our entertainment. Oh, wow. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, so, so you end up here uh, in Chicago uh, with your, with your aunts. Um, uh, was it like a sponsorship or? Yes. It was. Yep. Okay. Yes. And, and a lot of my friends are not from America. Um, and, you know, I get to learn from them what the journey's like trying to get citizenship and, and just trying to establish work and get a sponsorship. And it, it, and it, we take it for so much granted in this country being born here. We don't understand the value of our citizen. We really don't. And and the people that have earned that citizenship like yourself, my friends, um, it, it, it teaches me a lot about, um, to be grateful and to also not, not waste my time and to live intentionally and do something with the opportunity, especially, being in the the area of los angeles where there's so much going on um there really is no reason to procrastinate to be lazy uh to not do something that is is, that you're passionate about this is the this is the time is now and if you're not taking advantage of it then um you're just you're wasting time
0: absolutely it's a waste of time it's a waste of life and it's really a it creates a uh, negative aura around you when you do that. Mm. And you only end up with more negative results than positive results. So at least
1: that's been my experience. Are are you, are you someone who subscribes to the positive mindset? Um, do you do any types of rituals or anything like that uh, that keep you in a positive state of mind? Because since I've met you, uh, your energy has always been very... Uh, welcoming uh, kind um you know we've only met up a few times but you i know people that know you and and people say nothing but the best things man and so you know hey my hats off to you for the way you carry yourself especially after everything you've been through um do you, do you do anything like, do you have any like sort of like books that you read or something like that?
0: Absolutely not. No, it's just, it's, (laughs) it's, it's it's been a life journey is all, everything's from a life journey. And yes, the, you have to, I, I truly believe that you have to respect others who respect you. And as long as I'm being respected, I give twice the respect back if I can. Um, And when you're not you need to walk away if you're in a relationship if you're with somebody or if you meet somebody who is not showing you any respect who is not showing you uh the kindness then the best thing to do is to sever that relationship because it's not a it's a toxic relationship yes it's not going to help you in any way shape or form and uh, on the other hand when you meet somebody who does show that respect and does show that kindness You need to cultivate that and you need to make sure that you never lose that. And that's why most of my friends, I don't have, I have many acquaintances, but I have a few very close friends that I've been friends with for most of them for over 30 years.
1: Absolutely. And that's all you really need, right?
0: That's what you need. You need a few very close friends that you can depend on and they can depend on you.
1: I love that. I love that. I I, I feel, uh, very fortunate, um, I've been a sober 11 years and uh, I've been able to, to attract um, quality people um, through uh, the way I've, I've decided to live my life in sobriety and, and the friends that I've been able to bring into my life, there's only a few and they, you know who you are, they fill my life with so much positivity, with so much inspiration and they challenge me and they bring honesty into our relationship and they're such a big part of who i am now and i wouldn't want any like other friends in my life like they are just my 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 foundation and it and it's a beautiful thing it's symbiotic we create together i have them on podcasts and you know i support their endeavors and their passions and uh it's collaborative it's beautiful um, and that's to me It taught me so much like that's what friendship should be, too You know, you should flourish in that relationship
0: and you should flourish together. There's nothing more enjoyable mm-hmm. than uh, than bringing yourself up and bringing others up with you all together because what good is it? If you're sitting on top of a mountain all alone, <laughs> and there's no one there with you.
1: Yeah Well said brother well said Going back to your story. Yes, um when you came to the United States, did you speak English, or how did you adjust to that new environment?
0: I spoke English. Okay. I, I knew yes, no, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I learned <laughs> that on my TWA flight from Beirut to Chicago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Crash course. It was. Th- those were the days where you. Re-
0: it was. It was. It was the most amazing thing. Even though I had been on a plane before. But that particular plane was, I think, must have been a 747. It was a huge plane. Um, but it was yeah. luxury flight back then. Even though we were in coach, it was just unbelievable back then with
1: the, with the treatment that you received. So it was nice. That's good. That's good. Uh, did you find it difficult to adjust to the culture here? Uh, was society welcoming to you, being from a foreign country? Um, was it challenging at all?
0: it was somewhat welcoming and there were parts that were not however considering what we were used to considering the fact that um i've seen my mother get a tomato thrown at her because she touched it at the market and because she was christian she can't touch it without actually buying it so uh, so when when it was it was too soft so she went to another one the owner picked it up and threw it at her and said now it's you're scum, so by touching fruit, you make it scum, and once you make it scum, you have to buy it. So with that in mind, even though I didn't feel the discrimination, there was discrimination, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. it just didn't matter. I didn't feel it anymore. And if I ignored it, and not worried about it, and just worried about myself, rather than worrying about the discrimination, seem to be the more positive way to go. If somebody wants to discriminate against me, I really can't change them. I just avoid them and go on to somebody who doesn't. But if I just concentrate on that person or that group of people that are discriminating against me, I can never help myself. I can never get forward. I can never get past that. But if I just completely ignore them, that's the best thing for me that i can do to them that's the worst thing for them
1: that i can do to them so so you would just detach from the situation
0: i would detach from the situation Uh it didn't matter they didn't matter Uh i'll go to somebody who does matter
1: what i like about that way of handling the situation it's you're not reacting but more responding by detachment and retaining your power not giving your power up to somebody who's trying to hurt you and letting them get the best of you in such a in such a um, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, unpleasant way, uh, where they're you know trying to make you feel unwelcome or, or different, and it's not a you problem; it's a them problem. But but we have the choice to give that power our peace over to the offender, and become the offender, and then we lose our peace. And, and what I'm learning from you, or what I hear from you right now is that retaining that power and that peace is where it's at. Well, not about getting even. Absolutely.
0: It, it makes, it, it doesn't help anybody to just focus on the negative and just Mm. focus on the discrimination and just focus on how I'm being wronged. Mm. I can focus on that all day and I'll be 100% correct and there's nothing that anybody can say that makes me wrong the only problem with it is who am i helping
1: nobody <laughs> how, how is it helping me you're just you're just you're just attracting more negativity and more negative energy and more and, more depression and suffering and,
0: and and all i'm doing is ruining my own life yeah all i'm doing is putting myself in a bad position putting myself in the wrong frame of mind to move forward uh, take like you said taking the power out of my uh, taking my power of being able to make my life better and putting it in and putting that power in the hands of others who i'm allowing to make me feel less about myself because in a sense as soon as you acknowledge them what you're really saying is you're
1: right i am a lesser person wow yeah yeah and and you are um uh, you know, <laughs> the older I get. And the more I, I guess I, I, I venture into the journey of sobriety. Um, my spiritual practices have, have taught me a lot of lessons. And one of them is that my job is to cherish myself. You know, other people can do that. My family can do that, but it's temporary. And it is my job to love every part of who I am and love everything that I'm doing with my life and if something isn't out of alignment with that love I have every right to uh separate myself from it and not have to welcome that energy or that negativity but to the caveat is as 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 creatures we're we're designed for survival and our brain is wired to look for negativity look for threats so you really have to like like battle yourself sometimes mentally to to not you know be attracted to the negativity because it can be addictive you know um so you know those types of people who are falling into that category um misery loves company and hurt absolutely hurt people, hurt people hurt people hurt people hurt others and there's no there's no reason to hurt people if someone hurts you okay you hurt me you 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 said what you said and now i'm gonna keep my peace i'm gonna keep my power. And now I know how you feel. I know where you stand and I'm consciously responding by detaching with love. Absolutely. But there
0: are those times I think that we need to remember, we are all human beings. None of us on this face, on the face of the earth are perfect. And what may sometimes seem like a negative is can be a positive. What I mean by that, if we need to also listen, And that's why you need people that are close to you that you trust because those are the people that should and must tell you the truth when there is something negative about you. And you may fight it at that moment, but it still seeps in and you still need to take the time out to think about it, understand it, and see how you can fix it, correct it, and make it better because that's basically making yourself better. I love that. And that's the only way that you can better yourself and as long as you are in the process and the mindset of bettering yourself and not trying to make other people different or better that's all we each need to do and if we each do it for ourselves i think it would be a much better place to
1: live absolutely i I love that you said that and having that honest communication with someone that you trust that communication if if they're telling you something negative about you it's coming from a good place and it's coming from a place of love. As long as it's truthful. Yeah. as, As long as it's meant to be, make you aware, believe me, I've had my share of feedback from my friends and I'm grateful for it. And it's not stuff I wanted to hear, but I took it and I had to sit with it and I had to adjust and figure out, you know, um, you know, why, why are people reacting to me the way they are? Um, you know, we're not perfect. And I'm grateful to have people that are willing to be honest about that kind of stuff. And in exchange, I can be honest with them. And otherwise it's like, how deep is that friendship really? Like how, how deep is that relationship and how is it serving you? If it's just serving your ego or just serving the things that you want to hear, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people that want to just, you know, be liked and being, heard and and just you know um have friends and and have people in their life but um you know it's not it's not about that it's about like you know who are you becoming in the process
0: and and you have to be very much i'm going to turn on my cigar go ahead sorry for the clicks (laughs) uh and you have to be very much aware of those individuals who will give you negative information that are doing it to hurt you and out of spite Mm. and versus those people that we just talked about that are actually there for you and want to want you to make yourself better and you have to notice the difference between the two and you absolutely have to ignore the people that are negative and you have to stay away from them Mm -hmm. you just have to figure out a way to just let them out of your life Mm -hmm. one way or another and it takes a lot and i think it takes time experience um just life experience and, and making yourself aware that that's a possibility. You have to think about who is this person that just told me this? Is this my friend? Is he telling me to help me? Or is this someone who just wants to hurt me because they're coming from a negative place themselves mm. and they don't have, they're not happy with their
1: own life. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, one of my recent guests said something, really inspiring that was um you have to learn how to self-heal yourself and if you can't self-heal yourself you can't connect with other others empathetically or lead them empathetically and um, we all have to heal ourselves i mean no one's perfect and we all have to go through that process and look at the dark and look at the light and uh, look at the demons and the things that are not working uh you know inside when you're out of alignment what you're doing or who you want to be you know what that feels like and then you know what it's like to be in alignment to be in that place of growth and and peace and you're doing the work and you're paying the price and you're putting in the blood sweat and tears and what you love you feel the thing you feel yourself growing but then you also know when it's when it's not happening and and it's probably because there's a part of you it still needs to be healed um you know you have to be willing to look at at the good and the bad you know there's beauty in
0: both always and and as far as the healing you're absolutely correct nobody can really heal you you can talk to therapists you can talk to psychologists Mm -hmm. you can talk to psychiatrists you can take pills you can talk to your friends to your family but at the end of the day no one can really do it except yourself Uh, you you can use that as uh, as assistance you could use that as guidance but it still comes down to you and there's nothing else anybody can do including your family and the closest people to you if you're not willing to change if you're not willing to see yourself for who you are if you're not willing to 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 be as honest with yourself as you possibly can be there's no way you can help yourself and there's nobody else that can help you and i'm currently going through it with somebody that's very close to me and uh, all, all I can do is, uh, give them my best guidance and step away and hope that they choose to understand that it's in their hands and they can't continue blaming other people because it just doesn't help you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that can relate, uh, being in a situation where you might just need to detach to um, do its best absolutely beautiful brother thank you for that so in your journey um, you mentioned that uh, before the interview that you did do some work for the Royal Saudi family so I'm just interested to learn about how did that come to be and, and what kind of work did you do for the family the royal family if if
0: I may if you don't mind what I'd like to do is say a little bit about what we did after we came here while I was still young because to me that's very important of what happened after we came to the United States
1: oh okay absolutely
0: because as I told you we pretty much came here with nothing we were able to my family most of them were able to work put the money together within a few months my sisters my two oldest sisters my father came to Los Angeles to visit his sister my other aunt my older aunt and her daughters actually put them to work within a week at banks they were working at factories in chicago in the middle of winter freezing they come to la beautiful weather working at banks so he told my father we don't want to go back (laughs) so he came back and the rest of us five of us sat in the car Filled up a U-Haul trailer with all of our furniture that we had bought for three bedrooms, and drove for three days from Chicago to L.A. Within two years, we had a we had a, a it was a store that that sewed clothing. My mother was a seamstress, and they would they, my father would go to downtown to factories and pick up contracted work for. 2,000 pieces, 3,000 pieces, whether it was shirts, T-shirts, shorts, pants, whatever they happened to be. My mother would put them together, put some samples if they liked it. We had about 12 employees that would actually sew them, put them together. And within two years, we were able to purchase a house in the valley. So we lived in Hollywood, moved to the valley, able to buy a house. This is somebody who came to this country, family of eight, with absolutely nothing And within two years, they're able to buy a house. I don't think people can understand. Whoever has not left this country, this is not possible anywhere else in the world. There's nothing more beautiful than that for the United States. But it seems to us, coming from outside in, that the people that are here do not recognize that, do not see that, do not appreciate that. And of course lately it seems like it's gone the other way in fact. And it's and it's very sad to me, to people like me that everybody is concentrating on the negative of the past versus all of the good and all of the positive that this country has done it's amazing to me how they would prefer to do that which takes us back to the individual person who decides to concentrate on their own negative, negative. What, what is negative in their life versus the positive and it's doing the same thing as a whole of a country instead of concentrating on the positive and bringing it up it seems like the majority has decided to concentrate
1: on the negative and that's just the wrong direction and pro- the problem is the information you know it's uh it's being piped into every every where our attention goes but at some point people need to recognize
0: nothing is yeah. perfect no human being is perfect no country is perfect no government is perfect and our government is far from being perfect and I'll be the first one to admit it but we can change that but we can only change it by concentrating on the positive, not on the
1: negative. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. And unfortunately
0: it doesn't seem to be
1: happening these days. No. Uh, the sense of direction has been, has been lost for some time. And, um, you know, when you stack up all of the, uh, policies and the economy and, um, just, just the way things have unfolded in the, in the recent years, um, I, I'm I'm very aware that we're capable of doing much better things, and, and and it comes down to leadership, information, and what we decide to do with that information as a country, and um, and you know this this could be a very different time that we're living in. it could be a very different time, but uh, we're not there yet.
0: Absolutely not. But I, hopefully, I pray that the day will come where people will start using their logic more than what is being told to them. And think for themselves. You must think for yourself. You must use your logic. God, We have a God-given ability to be able to use our own logic. And if you don't use it, and you just keep your eyes closed, and your ears, and, and, and only listen to what other people are telling you, you're you're going to be lost
1: absolutely well said so you guys got your house uh in in la and um and then what what transpired with your family from that point from
0: that point everybody started getting older my sisters started uh first my sisters are older than the three brothers all three of them were married over time um and while we were still there and then at some point we in in the 90s early 90s we moved we were able to sell that house in panorama city and central valley and move to the west side of the valley which was west hills um, my father was getting older my mother was working for the motion picture union she was a seamstress so she had a very very good job at, at some point when she was able to get that job. That job was making her more money than our shop was. And because of the benefits and everything else that it gave, that's when they decided to close down the shop. She started working for strictly for the uh, motion picture union. And my father was had a couple of jobs. He was, he was an engineer by trade, a civil engineer. But unfortunately, uh, 20 years had passed, 20, 25 years had passed since he had done that. So it was difficult for him to get into that line of work and he just continued on with uh working for various companies in various capacities. Um but it was uh it was life. It was going on. Uh going to school. We were going to school. Everybody was doing their thing and uh no one was uh no one was becoming a millionaire overnight, but no none of us were suffering either. And we each took responsibilities for ourselves. I personally could not ask my parents to buy me the things that I wanted when I was in school. So at about 13 years old, when uh, my friends or other people at school were wearing uh, certain things that were Adidas shoes, uh, OP shorts, I don't know if anybody even remembers those, um, left bank uh, shirts, uh, I wasn't able to get those things. I wasn't able i wouldn't i couldn't even ask my parents to buy those things so i decided to get a job and so my first job was going door 13 and a half going door to door selling los angeles Times subscriptions and that's how i made my mo- made money to be able to buy the things that i wanted for myself and that's how i grew up so i've always worked and gone to school at the same time not the most ideal thing not something i wanted my kids to do i didn't allow my kids to do that um but it did definitely help build the person that i
1: am today especially going door to door and trying to sell somebody on the spot and then doing it intentionally because you wanted things um that your family wasn't at the time able to to support and you figured out this is a solution for me to will get what i want and uh, make my own money um did, th- did that process um teach you anything about i guess business or about yourself having to go door knocking
0: it taught me that i it taught me that i truly dislike i won't use the word hate dislike sales i'm not a sa- some people tell me i'm a salesman i'm not a salesman i will talk about what i'm passionate i will uh Discuss the value of whatever it is that I'm passionate about but I'm only discussing it because I'm passionate not because I want to sell it to somebody and I think even if they end up buying whatever it is it's not because I wanted to sell it to them it's because I truly believed in what I was saying and in sales I don't think you can do that and be completely successful you have to be able to say whatever needs to be said, not necessarily what is the truth in order to sell something.
1: It, it is an unfortunate uh, aspect of the sales game is that the, uh, the conversation can be changed uh, in favor of the salesperson, uh, And it can be fluffed with information. And I, I, I hear things like that from my customers. Uh, I, I'm in financial technology and uh some of the times they make investments in these big technology projects and they're promised it's going to do all these things and then when I talk to them it's like well it's not doing everything we thought it would so what can you do for us I'm like okay great so let's let's talk about that but um you know there are salesmen who are world class and and who are passionate about 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 the changes that they can make the value that they can bring and those are the guys that can sustain long-term success and those are the guys you want to learn from and those are the guys who really understand the game but understand why they do it they do it because they want to help people they want to bring value to people And then yeah, you know the contract the negotiation the planning and getting the decision maker that's a whole nother game chess game you got to learn um, but salespeople get a bad rap I mean just just because there's so many different flavors of salespeople Um, but, but the ones I look up to are the ones who are in it to really make a positive change. And, and, um, you know, it teaches me a lot about, you know, why, why do you do that? If you're doing it just for the money, (laughs) it's not sustainable, first of all, and you're probably not going to enjoy the process because it's going to be incredibly challenging every single day. Um, so you got to have some, uh, I guess you can call it an emotional investment, but you have to have some passion for helping people and bringing value to people.
0: Well, you have to have some passion for the people, but you also have to have the passion for the product or service that you're selling. If oh, you don't, absolutely. You must believe in it 100%. And if you don't, then you're only doing it for the money. And growing up, trying to make money in different ways, um, whether it was a insurance company or car sales, in every situation the first thing that you're being told is you can make this much money and you can make that much money. And <laughs> so that's, that's instilled yeah. in you. And I realized that I was jumping at that at the beginning, but it took me a while to understand that, but that's not what I wanna do. But I don't really feel happy doing right. this. Right. And if it's gonna take up so much of my life, Mm. where I'm going to be miserable. Why am I doing it regardless of how much money it makes me?
1: You got to listen to to that inner di- that inner
0: voice. You have to listen to the inner voice. You have to um even get to the point of maybe every once in a while uh take some time out and meditate. I when I'm when I'm not sure about something, my favorite thing to do is to I'm lucky enough to be living out here in Southern California, so I drive out to the beach. I don't use the beach very much. I don't necessarily go there for uh vacation style visits but right i do go there just to relax meditate have my cigar have my coffee spend two hours and just think and just let go of things and that helps me put things in perspective many times where i can start making better decisions beautiful
1: beautiful So going back to, um, I guess, your involvement with the royal family, would that be jumping ahead too far? No, no. So basically
0: oh, okay. yeah, where we left off, I ended yeah. up uh, you know, going to school. And when I went to college, um, uh, my very first experience was I always went to college, by the way, one or two classes, like six units, maybe nine units per semester because I either had one or two jobs or a business uh my very first business i was 21 and uh i purchased the valet parking business at chippendales not everybody may know what that is but uh, but i was outside not inside i only handled the parking what
1: what is chippendales for those who don't know
0: chippendales was a male strip club (laughs) and it was mainly uh Not mainly, was strictly for females. So males actually were not allowed in until they started getting sued for discrimination, not letting males in and so on, but they never, they still stayed strict on that until they were shut down for a completely different reason. Wow. Anyhow, so I've had that, I've had other, so I've always had either a business and a job or both while going to school. And it made it difficult. So. But I, but I did uh, find somebody early in my life, and we ended up getting married, and I was, I think, 22 or 23. And that was my very first time experiencing working with the Saudi royal family. I was asked, to, there was a family coming to town, they had a home in Beverly Hills, and I was asked to go there, and uh, if, if I would mind driving the sun around, was 12 years old he had to go to school every day to learn english his parents wanted him to do that uh, and i did but that meant seven days a week i would leave the house or condo we had at 8 a.m and wouldn't really get back home till about 10 or 11 p.m and after about uh, 10 days of that i noticed my then wife uh would stop waking up with me for breakfast and by the time I got home, she'd be pretending that she's sleeping when I caught her a couple of times crying while in bed. So I realized I can't continue doing this. So it was a little bit too much pressure. But a couple of years later, unfortunately, the uh, the marriage didn't work out. Um, and we got a divorce and I decided to go back to school full time. I dropped everything. So I, got, I have to get my degree. I'm tired of this. And when that happened in the summer the same gentleman who happens to be my cousin who worked for the family, he asked me if I was available during summer to drive one of the princes around. Uh, I said, sure, why not? And uh, that's when I started working for them again, only in the summer. And at the end of every summer, the mother of the it was this younger prince and the mother would uh, ask me if I would go to, with them to Europe. They would go to Paris and uh, London and sometimes Rome. Uh, and of course I couldn't cause my school would start. So I told you my school's starting right when they were leaving. So I was never able to do it for two, three years in a row. And then when I graduated, I worked for them that summer as well. And by the end of that summer, she called me and she goes, I know you graduated. I know you don't have school. So you're coming with us to Paris and London. I said, there's nothing I can do there. I can't drive. I don't know how to drive there. I don't know the roads. She said, no, you won't be driving. I just want you there to be with my son. Wow. And that was, even though he had a security guard, he had a nanny and stuff. So that was, and just one job led to another, led to another, led to another, until I got to the point where I was working for somebody who is extremely high uh, in in the government as well as his uh, status as a prince. Um, When I started working for him, I actually had to sign an NDA. So I don't think I can give his name. Um. and uh, Um. and that was an interesting job it was uh, I would literally see him maybe three to four weeks a year but I got paid monthly and I had insurance health insurance and it was strange it wasn't like the other Saudis it wasn't like working for anybody else Um. and it was great that's when I met my I had met my current wife and uh, we bought it we purchased a home and realized that we have time to fix it make it bigger ended up selling it and that's how i slowly got into the real estate just kind of stumbled into it and we sold it made a ton of money purchased another home and before and started fixing that one up which was twice as big as our previous home and before we could even move into it we had offers on it and made more money on that one and just one led to the other, to the other, to the other until I started purchasing actual raw land and building ground
1: up. Wow, incredible, incredible. Where did you, I guess, learn the skill set to start developing properties? Were you kind of designing the layout of the property? When
0: I first went to college, I was really most interested in architecture and building. So I actually went to Pierce College and I studied architecture for two years. And I did get straight A's and I was, uh, I I enjoyed it very much. My problem was I listened to other people too much. Mm. At two points of my life in school, I have listened to the wrong people. The one time I was in eighth grade, in eighth grade, Uh, we were given this test in English class that we need to take. It was, uh, we didn't have to take it. It wasn't anything that we'd be graded on. Just be honest. And it was a career type of a test. So when I took that test, uh, all the students had to take it. Um, The results came back a week or two later. I don't remember. Uh, It would tell you what career path, according to the answers that you gave, what career path is probably best for you and my results were two things clergy or attorney and (laughs) which i had never thought about and i don't think i'm a a good enough uh christian to become (laughs) clergy or so i talked to my teacher about it and my english teacher and she flat out told me um you weren't born here. Your English is not good enough. Uh, you probably will never be able to make it as an attorney because there's a lot of reading and studying. You got to do that. You can't do. Unbelievable. And that's it, it was out of my mind. It was done. Oh, okay. And I could, and, and to this day, I remember that because if she had said something different, I really don't know what would have happened. Right. Right. Yeah, it changes the trajectory of Completely. of your path. Completely, Whether it's for the better or worse, I don't know. Right. Um, and the second time, like I said, uh, uh, trying to remember. Oh, our architecture class. So during our architecture class, one of the, the things, uh, not b- besides just drawing and designing houses and so on and, and uh, buildings, Uh, there was a another aspect to the courses and one of the aspect was uh career following a career path within that world and the only thing i really liked was architecture was being an architect Um, and doing the studies found out that 80 percent of architects actually end up working as uh, in the restaurant industry as waiters or bartenders putting themselves through trying to get a a uh a job where they actually make good money wow um and that turned me off from continuing and i had nowhere else to go but to get a business degree so i ended up getting a business degree instead fantastic I, I changed everything to business uh which whether or not i've used it haven't used it i think it was more of uh allowing me to be more disciplined and uh in my life, discipline in the way that I do things is more important what school taught me than actual information that I was able to use. Um, and that's how I ended up uh, not not pursuing architecture. So when it came down to purchasing land or it kind of was second nature to me to fix up, to build, to add just I see it I envision it when I see a piece of property I actually see the house that should be on that property because of the surroundings because of the environment because of the way that the land is shaped because what I can turn that land into by grading it and making it different so it just it's second nature I don't work at it it just happens now and that's what I like about it so having said that my very first uh experience in building ground up was semi-successful it wasn't really completely successful unfortunately it happened during the time of 2007 and 2008 and the bank that was uh, i had i had purchased a property area called calabasas two lots one above the other and uh, we start working on the top one to, and then do the second one but grading the whole thing about uh, through the first house, uh, the bank that was financing it, we had a construction loan, ended up getting shut down by the feds. Crazy. And it took nine months for the new bank. The feds forced another bank to buy it. And the new bank that bought it, it took them nine months to start funding again. So we had stopped work for nine months. And we were at the point of just putting up drywall and stucco. The windows were up. Electrical was in, plumbing was in, all the walls were up, the roof was on, everything was there. Um, and they couldn't do it. They said, you're, during that nine months, because I had maybe three to six months left to finish the house, during that nine months, our uh, loan had matured, and they requ- and they required all the money to be paid back
1: unbelievable which oh, man. in
0: that market was impossible yeah and i had to let it go
1: oh wow just cut uh, your losses
0: that that was it that's the only thing you can do at that time and the bank understood and everybody understood that that's the way it's got to be i didn't understand it because all i needed was another three months to have a complete house and pay them back all their money plus make money but instead we both lost money due to the way that the laws were written at the time
1: so it sounds like that was a pretty unique learning experience about that business and what are some of the things that could go wrong correct um when you develop a new project now that you have this knowledge and this experience what do you what is it fir- like the for like if somebody wants to build something um i guess for residential Um, What are the top three things, like, do you look for when developing a new project?
0: When you say somebody wants to build, why do you, who is that somebody and why are they building? Are they investing? Are they
1: building for themselves? I would say if somebody wants to build a property to resell it, so they'd be investing in it. So they'd be the investors and they're basically
0: uh, building a spec home to sell. And which is what I usually do. The only time that i've worked with other individuals is if somebody has the actual property and they want me to do all the work so they provide the property i provide the service and we create a partnership and we build the house but they have no say so in building of the house um, because norm, most of the time their say so is going to cost us a lot more money than we can get out of it and it makes no sense uh, everybody wants something specific you can't do specifics because you don't know who you're selling the house to. And in those cases, um, my recommendation would be number one, you have to look at the current market. Uh, there's always opportunities in a bad market as well as a good market. The good market's easy to see the opportunities. In a bad market, it's a little more difficult to see the opportunities. You just have to pick and choose when you do something. Um, that would be my first recommendation. My second recommendation is to take their personal feelings out of it you cannot be personally involved you cannot take it personal you have to be logical and third is create a quality product just by doing one product and if it's not quality you just ruined your reputation you never get a second chance for a first impression you screw it up the first time It's a small, small world out there, just like every other industry, people get to know very quickly. And by creating a bad reputation for yourself, you won't
1: last. Right, right. So not going cheap on the building materials, um, making sure that the foundation is built correctly. And and you're not just, I guess, hiring anybody to do the job, but I guess builders that you know and trust
0: that's a part of it mm. um, cheap and inexpensive two different things mm. so correct you don't want any cheap material but you also don't want to go expensive right? because at the end of the day you need to figure out a way to make money it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to make money in um, so you have to look for those inexpensive ways of building something um, what was the second thing
1: uh, and then the team that's, that's constructing the project
0: So if you're not in the business, so for example, I am in the business. I do have a, I ended up getting my contractor's license at some point back in 2005 or six. If you're not in the business and you don't know the business very well, then you are forced to bring in contractors to do the work for you. Once you do that, you cut away about 20 to 25%, sometimes in certain contractors, 50% of your profit. So you got to be very careful in who you're bringing in.
1: How do you go about developing trust in a partnership or in a in a contracting team? Do you kind of have like a, a checklist or, or is it just through people that you trust in your network?
0: It's usually people that you trust. Mm. Exactly. Your trust and, and the network and then the people that you trust, you kind of are dependent on them if you need additional services or additional bodies that they're going to bring in the right people Mm. and uh, most of the time the people that you that you feel comfortable with that you know they know their job they they should also be those individuals who understand that they need to find the same thing in others before they bring them in
1: absolutely when you are trying to figure out what are the margins, um, you know what's what's the value of this project considering the market, are you kind of going through those calculations on your own or do you bring in like a CPA and try to really figure out the costs and the labor and then the, the, the value of what the home should be when it sells?
0: No, I've created a little uh, pro forma outline for myself uh nice. and i just do it myself because at the end of the day all an accountant or cpa can do for you is create that and then they still need you to punch in the numbers they don't know the numbers how are they going to know the numbers they don't know your business they know their own business they know how to create a report but as far as the numbers you're kind of guesstimating all the way through you don't really have a choice the reason is on both sides on both the sale and the construction the only given number up front that is solid is the purchase price of the property you have the purchase price you know what that is but how do you know how much it's going to cost you to build over the next two years you have no idea you have a you have a you have a general idea but what happens when the market goes up everything goes up covid all the prices went up supply went completely down when the supply well, as the supply dropped demand did not drop and prices went through the roof so if you thought you were going to buy if lumber was going to cost you 60,000 and that's what you budgeted for well all of a sudden it's 90,000 it's 50% more now what but it's not just lumber it's every aspect of the job labor went up because people didn't want to work. The workforce just kind of diminished. People didn't have to work in certain cases thanks to certain policies. And that completely changed by a huge amount how much that house was going to cost you, that building was going to cost you to build. uh, Sorry, go ahead. But in this particular case, the prices also went up. Which didn't make sense. Nobody would have guessed it. Nobody guessed it that the price would actually go up. But The prices did go up. Yeah, because the
1: demand was up. Yeah.
0: The demand ended up going up. Nobody thought about the fact that you had many people living in places like downtown areas, uh, centralized areas, and tall high rises or apartment buildings that were doing it because they were forced to do it because they need to be close to their work. And all of a sudden, they have a wife, they have kids, and they're working out of their home. Well, now they need more space in their home. And they need a place for their kids. Well, they can move out in suburbia. Which the prices of single-family homes all of a sudden started rising because the demand went way up. You had all these people leaving the inner cities and going out to the suburban areas. And the suburban areas just kept going higher and higher.
1: Yeah. One of the craziest inflation hikes in, in real estate in a long time. Um, so hearing your journey and your story, you became a man who really had to make a lot of decisions on his own and think for himself, uh, try things, um, kind of change your direction. Um ps- build, find a way of building trust with people to do business with and, you know, kind of be at the steering wheel of those business decisions. And to me, that tells me there's a lot of qualities in those decision making processes that require factors of leadership, factors of um, trusting yourself. Um, What is the word leadership? Like really, like what does that mean to you? Uh, personally, leadership
0: the way that I see myself is for my family. I want to be a leader for my family I want to be able to lead them that's my responsibility and and I would like to lead by example and I like to lead by example. Unfortunately I'm not a perfect person so my leadership isn't perfect uh, which, uh, causes uh, some uh, questionable or questioning from my family in certain uh, cases which uh, uh, are definitely uh, warranted um, and help me look at myself and say well what can I do differently unfortunately I can't say what could I have done differently I want to what could I have done differently to make something better Um, it's not going to help me I can't go back in time and it's not going to help my family so all I can do is say what can I do differently what can I do now and as long as I think as long as you are willing to look at yourself in an honest way regardless of how good or bad that might be or how something is positive or negative in you as long as you're you're willing to look at it and do something about it and make changes uh that's the only that's the only way you can be a leader
1: beautiful I, beautiful thank you for that now that you've uh come to this point in your journey what would you say does your next labyrinth or chapter in your life look like
0: I don't know <laughs> That's kind of the I guess that's that's doing uh, podcasts <laughs> Yeah maybe you know that, that that's kind of the fun part of it is the unknown it's scary It's really scary but it's also exciting at the same time If everything was laid out for you hmm. Look as we talked before I worked with the members of the royal family and their life was laid out for them Did I see happy people? I did not. I really did not. Many times people have said, You've been around all these people in some cases where there was no end to the money. Don't you, you know, don't you wish you were in their place? And at the beginning, when I was younger, maybe, but it didn't take long for me to realize I would never. Ever change places with them.
1: So there is value in not knowing what's going to happen next. Just taking taking things one step at a time, and not having to have all the answers to feel uh, comfortable. I, I mean, I, I think as human beings, we want we we value security just naturally. I think we value um, understanding. Things and, and knowing things ahead of time because it reduces the fear, but I like I like your mindset because you're just you're embracing you're embracing the unknown. It's called freedom. Mm, I love that. I love that.
0: Freedom is not set in stone. Freedom is not where your life is set for you. Freedom is not where you come from a billionaire's house, whether it's a prince or a royalty or a nun or and and having everything set for you that's not freedom you can't have freedom when everything is set for you that's total opposite so if you don't value your freedom then i can't imagine what you would value
1: powerful powerful we will be right back with 20 degrees deeper into the labyrinth with our leader johnny mansoor after a word from our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, One Education, One World, a Section 501C3 certified nonprofit on a mission to bring quality education to children in the rural parts of the world that do not have access to schools. OEOW gives these children quality education by providing them with an educational space curriculum, supplies, qualified teachers, and leadership in underserved communities. The focus is to inspire hearts and minds of all children while fostering their social, psychological, and spiritual well-being. If you'd like to learn more on how to support OEOW and bring quality education to underprivileged children, please visit www.oneeducationoneworld.org forward slash donations, help us make a positive change in our world and our children's lives education is the right of every child even a child far away living in dire conditions in far to reach places we would like to thank our sponsor imagine collective your premier experience agency leading California's central and southern regions in event planning and management digital and experiential marketing, brand partnerships, and more. Serving all coastal and inland communities from Monterey County down to San Diego County in the great Golden State. One of my favorite things about Imagine Collective is they donate a portion of their proceeds to a trusted charity of your choosing for each service they provide. Contact them today at 323-207-9572. And visit their website for more information at theimaginecollective.com. Mention Leaders Labyrinth and enjoy 20% off your first service. Imagine Collective, let's collectively imagine how to make our world a better place through the everyday work we do together. We would like to thank our sponsor, Malibu Audubon. A car collective known for its unique events in Southern California, hosting epic and beautiful scenic group drives in Malibu and producing concerts in LA, but there's a lot more to it than just these events. Beyond its popular line of apparel, Malibu Audubon is well known as a curator for some of today's biggest music videos, TV shows, and other productions, sourcing and handling rare special vehicles for all types of projects. You can learn more and join Malibu Audubon at malibuaudubon.com or simply visit at malibuaudubon on Instagram. We are here in the labyrinth with Johnny Mansoor at his private cigar lounge, Sticks Private Cigar Club, smoking Sticks Premium Cigars, uh, going 20 degrees deeper Into the Labyrinth, where I ask our leader 20 design questions to get to know them even more on a mental and spiritual level. Johnny, are you ready for the first question? I think I am. (laughs) Fantastic. First question, how do you start your day? Do you have any morning routines or non-negotiables?
0: Yes, I start my day by waking up when I want to wake up, not when somebody else wants me to wake up. And I usually leave the house pretty quickly and come to the club, have a quick breakfast,
1: have my cigar, and my coffee. How would you describe your favorite quality about yourself? Wow.
0: That's a tough one. I have so many of them. I'm <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: I don't know if I have a favorite quality about myself I'm 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 always trying to think about how I can make myself better I think if I I don't know if this is a quality or not but my my experience has brought me to try to be as um, as accommodating as I possibly can be to, towards others and Show as much respect as I can, and until they don't deserve it anymore. Which, uh, unfortunately, in some cases, takes me to a 180 degree change with that person. I either have to respect them to be able to deal with them, and if I can't respect them, I don't want to deal with them at all.
1: What characteristic do you value most in other people? Humility.
0: I really appreciate humility. I've noticed that in myself recently, uh, as we discussed privately earlier, in certain people, including uh, some that surprised me that happen to be celebrities and the, the differences between different celebrities, how some of them are so humble, whereas
1: others are not so much. If you could travel back in time to any era what time period would you want to live in I usually don't like to think
0: in in things where I could have done them differently or because I can't however to answer your question most likely I would have liked to one of two periods come to mind being an Assyrian not Syrian but Assyrian which was the very first uh, empire, the Assyrian Empire, cradle of civilization was there. I, I would like to have been there to see how that started. Why did people go from nomads suddenly into an actual civilization? How did that come about? How I could have been a part of that? How they created the language, alphabet, numbers, calendar, uh, utensils, um you know our calendar goes back 6772 years what inspired that change i think it was one of the biggest changes that the world will ever see but nobody really discusses it nobody really knows about it um and the other one would probably being of christian background most uh, even more likely i think i would like to have been there even though it seems like a horrible time I would like to have been there when Jesus was there as a witness as to what really happened.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Is there a book that impacted your life or that you would recommend to others?
0: I'm not much of a reader. <laughs> I never have been. I think uh, has, I, I, I recently realized that I, I have a, probably a little bit of an ADD thing going on so I was never able to stay with a book for very long but what the only thing that I actually was able to um, to continue with uh, would be any th- some of them uh, when I was in ph- philosophy class uh, so whether it was uh, Plato or Aristotle those are the things that stuck with me the most and I would have to say be somewhere in that range but nothing specific
1: if you could sit on a bench and have a deep discussion with anyone alive or deceased who would it be and why
0: so many come to mind going back to what I said before to be able to sit down with Jesus Christ would be unbelievable Um, one of the Kings any one of the Kings of uh, Assyria king usher king sargon um any of the philosophers the great greek philosophers that would be amazing and if i come to currently i would really love to sit down with believe it or not donald trump i would want to know what's in his mind especially only if i knew that i was getting honesty It would be very interesting to me
1: what is one of the most important lessons that you learned in a relationship
0: that without honesty there is no relationship you have to be honest and the other person has to be honest with you without honesty there is no relationship
1: what is a powerful piece of knowledge or advice that someone gave to you that shifted your perception on your life
0: i would have to say it came from my father who made me understand that you cannot buy integrity. There's no price for it. You can't take money with you when you leave and when you leave this world, all that's left is the integrity of your name.
1: What is your definition of success?
0: My definition of success, which I actually try to instill in my kids but it's very difficult in this society is happiness for yourself for your mind and for you for the people around you to be a part of that happiness to be the reason why they are also happy and they need to be the reason why you are happy without happiness uh no amount of money no nothing no amount of career success I consider successful.
1: Do you have a a daily mantra or a philosophy that you live by on life?
0: I would have to say it'd be, be honest, have proper morals, ethics. You have to have high ethics. I have to have high ethics. And when I'm, Anything in anything
1: that I'm doing, honesty and humility. Why do you think we are here as a human
0: species? Uh, if I knew, I think I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that question. Why do I think, though? I I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's you know you can look at it as an experiment somebody's experiment Um, if if you believe in God then it's just a path it's part of your path from being a seed to an egg embryo suddenly coming into this world every one of those is a transition So is our death another transition into something else? I think that's what it's all about. We just don't know. Because if you look at it, the sperm did not know what's going to happen next. The egg did not know. The fertilized egg did not know what was going to happen next. The embryo didn't know what was going to happen next. So we don't really know what's ahead of us. And I, for one,
1: think it would be both, both foolish and kind of pompous to think that this is it. If reincarnation is real what animal would you want to be in your next life
0: i don't think that i would want to be any other animal other than a human animal i don't see any reason i would love to say an eagle to soar and fly i i've actually dreamed that i've had dreams about flying uh you know a lion a tiger i mean What do you say? Uh, Every one of them has their own problems, their own uh, um, tribulations. There's no such thing as anything being perfect or any animal having the perfect life. Uh, Unless you're a dog in the United States, that's a different story. (laughs) But um, dogs seem to have better lives than most. But I think the fact that it seems that the humans... Are the only animal that have a a thought process and a conscience I don't want to be ignorant I think animals are ignorant to many things which can be a good thing but it doesn't improve the overall well-being of the world You have to be, you have to be a human being in order to be able to do that.
1: What is one quote that resonated profoundly with you?
0: I can think of many quotes, but I can't think of any of them. I think it's a, for me, it's a, it's a accumulation of things that I've read, quotes that I've read that each have their own, have a small part of what makes sense in life and I can't think of anyone that I could really say oh that's the one that changed my life or that's the one that I
1: live by or that's the one that I I, I don't have one Mm, it's beautiful what is one of the most powerful investments that you made with no money my marriage if there was one word that comes to mind that sets your soul on fire what word would that be I'm back at the word happiness. If you had a chance to meet your younger self as a child and share a piece of wisdom of what you have now learned to be true in life, what wisdom would you give to your younger self?
0: No matter how smart other people seem to be, they are not smarter than you. Do not allow their words to diminish what you are and who you are there is no such thing as a person who is better than another person and while you should seek wisdom and you should seek um, information from others but at the end of the day do not take it as the absolute word no matter who they are you should take that information away and have the confidence in yourself in deciphering what you were just told and make sure that that is what will work for you just because somebody says you cannot do something doesn't mean you cannot just because somebody else says that you're not made for this doesn't mean that you're not they don't know you they know a part of you the only person that knows you as a whole and in full is you not your parents not your brothers not your sisters not your friends nobody knows you you're the only person and do whatever you can to build up the confidence To make decisions on your own and live by them and when you make the wrong decisions the best thing you can do is to understand that it was a mistake that anyone can make and just don't do it again
1: don't make the same mistake twice powerful when you think of a great leader Who is the first person that comes to your mind? Ronald Reagan. What is your greatest fear? The lack of happiness in my children. What is your greatest version of
0: happiness? The happiness of my children. Nothing would make me happier than to see them happy. Beautiful.
1: To our audience and to the people listening, how can they get involved or provide support for your cause or your business? I
0: actually do not seek somebody else's. um, Well, that might come out wrong. I'm just with my experiences. I'm a person who likes to, make sure other people are satisfied so I wouldn't want anybody to either be a part of my club or smoke my cigars unless it was a benefit to them I need them to be happy I need them to be satisfied I need them to enjoy whatever it is that I'm providing whether it's building a house or welcoming them to the club uh, or having or providing them with a, a most amazing smoke that they've ever had that would that would make me the happiest
1: this is a part of the show called messages to mankind where I ask our leader a hypothetical question and the question is this if the whole world had suddenly stopped only to listen to one message from you, and you are reaching every single human being on the planet. No matter where anyone is in the entire world, they can all understand you. And you got to carry forward only this one message to all of humanity to help make an impact. What would be your message to mankind?
0: I guess my message would be that we are all human beings. We are all here together there's absolutely no reason to fight each other's differences but rather to embrace each other's differences get to know each other understand you don't have to accept but you need to understand each other's differences and that success cannot be measured by money the only success that we can have as a whole is by understanding each other and and understanding our relationship with each other and making sure that we maintain a level of civility when we address each other operate with each other with logic not with hate not with predetermined negative feelings we the, the only way we can live in peace altogether is to understand communicate and Never try to change another person or another culture or another group of people because they just that's just another ingredient in the whole scheme of things. And there is, n- it's there's no fun in everybody being the same, there is no excitement. If everybody was the same and spoke the, whole, the same language and ate the same foods and there's just no excitement in that. There's no spice of life. And that spice is where we understand we're all different. But that's what's good about this world is that we're all
1: different. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Johnny, I want to honor you For your kindness your positive spirit and uh, being a testimony to uh, your good moral character um, for making your visions come to life without really knowing the next step and to do it with grace to open up yourself to share your wisdom today to be vulnerable and honest Um, you lead with your heart And you practice generosity and patience, which is a rare quality to find in a world that has lost its sense of direction. You're a badass, but you set the example of a true gentleman who practices humility with his path to success. We can all learn a lot from you. So thank you for being you. And thank you for joining us in the labyrinth
0: actually thank you for the honor thank you for the kind words um i am truly humbled by what you just said and uh i i appreciate you i appreciate what you are doing and i hope that there are more people more listeners and more individuals like you that can create these messages for others and that
1: it will continue to grow well you're making it possible my friend so thank you again for the opportunity My pleasure. Thank you for joining us in the labyrinth today with our leader, Johnny Mansoor. To stay up to date on all the amazing things Johnny is doing with Sticks Private Cigar Lounge, you may follow them on Instagram at house underscore of underscore sticks spelled S T I or simply visit www.sticks.org One of the greatest blessings is to wake up with a purpose, a usefulness, and a mission in life. Like in Johnny's story, the trajectory of his life transformed several times. You may be in a transitional stage or you may be working the career of your dreams. Everything is temporary. So be present with yourself. Give your whole heart to what you do, and the return will be rewarding. Awaken the leader within, and remember to ignite your light.